And now, Lord, we approach your throne during the preaching hour. We know that you are a God who is concerned about the needs that are in our heart, and you know all about every person in this room before we ever read a scripture. And you planned this service today, and you ordained that this service should be as it is. And there are people that are here today, O oh Lord, that need a touch of your presence and your spirit. And I ask you to do for us what no other power can do through Jesus, our Savior. Amen and amen. amen. And amen. amen. Turn with me to John chapter 10 if you'd like to read along with me this morning as I read our text. I said earlier that the metaphorical terms that are used for the Lord Jesus such as bread and light and shepherding. It's fitting that shepherding is a metaphor of what Jesus is to the church. Herding sheep and herding animals and animal husbandry, as they would call it, was a common practice in the uh, Old Testament. You'll find most of your personalities from Jacob to Moses to Joshua, all, all of those people were shepherds, and they uh, followed animal husbandry. They made their living with the product that the animals produced, the wool and the cheeses and those kind of things. And it's pretty common knowledge among the people of, of Israel, uh, the notion of shepherding, shepherding. It's also a term that we use for pastoral ministry. When we talk about a, a shepherd, that goes hand in hand with our uh, concept and our thought processes about uh, pastoring and caring for people in much the same way as the shepherds cared for the animals of the uh, wilderness. And we know that the Bible tells us that Moses was on the backside of Midian tending sheep when God spoke to him out of the burning bush. We, we know that uh, Joseph was a a herdsman because he and his brothers were uh, tending sheep when the Bible said uh, they rose up and were so jealous of his coat of many colors and, and slew him. Uh, on and on we could go, Zechariah, Ezekiel. David was a shepherd. Amen. In fact, the first sermon I ever preached, I, I reckon, was on a Wednesday night in Huntsville, Alabama, about uh, stones from the shepherd's sling. Amen. It was about David. Uh, and his role as a, as a shepherd who was taking care of and protecting the, the people of God from a terrible uh, giant named Goliath, you know. So we could go on and on talking about this uh, metaphor of, of shepherding and, and uh, caring for the needs of people, everything from feeding them to clothing them. Amen. It's a, a marvelous uh, analogy to draw between those two uh, elements of shepherding sheep and then caring for people. And that's where we get the uh, notion that a, a pastor is to develop and to care for and feed sheep. Amen. And I've told you before, the Lord didn't compliment it us when he called us sheep. We know all about that. We've covered that a lot of times. And the Bible talks about sheep being scattered not having a shepherd. They, sheep must have the care of someone to lead them and someone to guide them and someone to care for them and give them direction. 
else they will just go every which direction in the world because sheep just, uh, uh, pardon me, they're just not very smart uh, animals. Uh, they're trained uh, seals, they're trained dogs, they're trained elephants. There are a lot of trained animals, but you've never heard of a trained sheep, have you? And they just don't fit in that category. Uh, and two, you see, you've heard of vicious dogs and you've heard of uh, vicious lions and tigers, but you've never heard of a vicious sheep, have you? No, because they don't have a defense mechanism. They don't have any fight in them whatsoever. Amen. They're just roaming around with some wool growing on them that somebody wants to shear. And so, so they're actually just sheep. But the Bible calls the people of God uh, the sheep of his pasture. The sheep of his pasture. In fact, the Bible said, feed the flock of God taking the oversight thereof. Amen. The Bible tells pastors and, and shepherds to be very diligent and not to be a hireling. Let's read what the Bible has to say about, about shepherding and about caring for sheep. Verily, verily, verse 1 of chapter 10 of St. John's Gospel, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him that porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. That's a very odd thing about sheep. They may not be fierce fighters, and they may not have several of the other attributes of intelligence, but one thing they do, they've got great hearing. They've got such great hearing that they can differentiate between your voice and another. I heard of a, a case where some sheep had been stolen, and the perpetrators had been brought to justice, and the judge was uh, standing there uh, trying the case, and and he said, well, I can put a stop to this pretty quick. He said, uh, you say that these are your sheep? He said, yes, sir, they're my sheep. He said, well, why don't you put some of them out in the courtyard there and said, we'll stay in here. And you give them the call that if you own them, they'll recognize your call. And when he called out to them with the unique call that he used, his sheep came a running. So that settled the issue of who owned what. And it was all decided because sheep were able to distinguish between the voice that they heard. The Bible said the sheep know the shepherd's voice, and another they will not follow. Hey, praise the Lord. That's, a, that's quite a unique thing, and I've never heard that said about many other things. Don sometimes yells at the golf cart and hollers, come here, come here, come here but it doesn't ever respond. It must be a dumb cart we're working with there, Don. I'll have to get some life in that thing some way. The metaphors of, of being a, a good shepherd and caring for sheep and protecting them, and this incident here where Jesus said, I am the door. Now, the, you need to get this word picture in your mind about the sheep pens. Sometimes they would have as many as four shepherds and four different flocks that would be sheltered within the sheep pen. It was a device that was about 
10 feet high. It was of larger circumference and would accommodate uh, several sheep. And sometimes many shepherds would use, like I say, the same, the same one. And every night the, they would take turns between the shepherds of laying in the doorway. And there's where the notion comes from that the door, that the shepherd is the door. That, in other words, if the wolf is going to get to the sheep, he's got to go through me. And if my sheep are going to get out and wander, he's got to crawl over me. So I'll know if anybody leaves and I'll know if anybody comes. And it was about the, the sheep pens and the sheepfold that Jesus said, if uh, someone tries to get up any other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So you got to watch out for the thief. And what it, what it shows you is that that same way that the serpent slithered into the garden is the same way that a thief will try to destroy a sheep. Amen. A sheep is safe as long as it is in the, in the fold and as long as it is under the care and the protection of the shepherd. In fact, the Bible said the shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, lays down his life for the sheep. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, verse 4, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Boy, wouldn't it be good if we had that much sense not to follow a strange voice? We know at one time they tried to offer strange fire on the, the altar, and that didn't work very good because they found out about the strange fire pretty quick. It wouldn't it be great if we could discern voices the, of the stranger the same way. That sheep would not follow the voice of a stranger, but they actually fear him and flee from him. I dare say the devil wouldn't be able to work much of his junk if we just would do that right there. Know the voice of the stranger and run from him. Flee from him. Have nothing to do with that kind of thing because it will end in your destruction. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spoke to them. Now that's a, a sad commentary, isn't it? You understood it pretty good, didn't you? But disciples, a whole verse there telling us they didn't get it. They're part of my DGIs, aren't they? Don't get it. Jesus was telling them a truth, but they don't get it. Jesus was sharing them something that they needed to know, but they didn't get it. They didn't understand what he was talking about when he was telling every one of them that they were sheep and he was a shepherd. He was the shepherd. Then said Jesus unto them again. I'm glad Jesus does things again when we don't get it the first time. Just a little observation there. He said again to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. I'm the door. Now, 
wouldn't it be good that if we could always know that Jesus is the door through which we go in and we come out. Now, there's no way that we can be constantly under divine anointing all of the time. There's no way that you can be in the express presence of God 100% of the time. If so, you wouldn't get a thing done. So it's good that you go in and you come out. You go in through the door of Jesus and you come out. Amen. There's it's not any way that you can stay in the, in the intensity and the fervency of that spiritual essence all of the time. Amen. Therefore, what we do is we go in and we come out. And when you come out, and you've been out long enough to know that there's something back in that you need to get, then you go back in. And when you get what you came for, then you come back out and fight the battle and go through the problem and, and do the, the, the work and do what needs to be done. But it's a process of coming in and going out. And Jesus is the door. Amen. Jesus is the door. Now, every, every good sheep pen... Uh, has a door and that door is the shepherd and when you go in to the presence of God and good things are in the presence of God good things are in the sheepfold good things usually there's some food in there usually there's protection usually there's a fire so there's warmth in there usually there's fellowship because there's a lot of other sheep in there there's some good things going on in there and it's all revealed by one thing. You know what it is? I've quoted it so many times you ought to know it by heart. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, But as it is written, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Praise God. Hasn't entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for them that love him. But now I'm finding that this sheep pen has got a window in it. Jesus is the door. Well, I wonder who would be the window because if we're going to get to see in there and we're going to get to observe things, we're going to look through the glass and see inside there that there's good things. It's in the next verse of that. It's the 10th verse. And it says this, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. The Spirit is the window through which you look to see the good things God has prepared for them that love him. Hey, but there's a difference in looking in the window and going in the door. If you're not careful, you'll get to where you're just satisfied looking in the window and seeing the advertisement. But you need to go in, glory to God, you need to go in the door, which is Jesus, and enjoy the good things that he's prepared for them that love him. Not just peer through a window at them, but go through the door and experience them. Can somebody say amen? That's good stuff. That the Holy Spirit is the window through which you observe 
the good things, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Why have we received the Spirit of God? So we can shout. Well, that's part of it. So we can sing, that's part of it. So we can lift up holy hands, well, that's part of it. Why have we received the Spirit of God? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth which the Holy Ghost puts on display, which the Holy Ghost allows you to see and peer through the window and observe the good things God has for them that love him. Praise God. But you don't need to be satisfied just to look through the lens of the Holy Spirit and see good things. You need to walk through the door who is the Lord Jesus and experience those things. Praise God. Amen. I'm kind of feeling good in my sanctified soul that God has good things for them that love him. You see, if you were to today to see this in action where the door, the Lord Jesus, that's a place of access. But you know, when you access the presence and access the glory, and you access all these good things that God has prepared for them that love him, you begin to realize that God is fulfilling in you a destiny. God is doing something in you that is going to bring about a better you, a better person to serve the Lord, a better person, a better servant of the Lord Jesus. It happens in his, his presence. Jesus said, I am the door, and he said, and if you go in and come out, you will find green pasture, green pastures. Praise God. Well, there's nothing better for a sheep than green pastures. It's like telling you there's nothing better than longhorn. Wow, can you believe a sheep and green pastors, ye shall go in and out the door who is Jesus and find green pastures. Boy, I've never known a sheep that would turn up his nose at green pastures. Wow, can you, can you believe that God has feeding, a feeding place? And it's on the inside and it's on the outside. He said when you go in and when you come out, you will find green pastures. Praise God. Green pastures. So God does something marvelous in your life, and it's not something that just happens uh, uh, once in a lifetime. He does that continually because he's committed to you for the long run, the long haul. 
He's in it for making a better you. There's a certain familiarity that we get with that process about that, that door. Now, you might not have been raised like I was, but there are six kids in our house at 807 Patilla Street in Hartsell, Alabama. And we didn't have air conditioning. We had a window fan, if you was lucky enough to get one in your bedroom, one in mom and daddy's bedroom, but I don't know if we ever rated one in ours or not. We had a screen door at our house. And if you went in and out too much, my mama would holler at you and tell you, quit that going in and out, you're letting flies in the house. Stop that going in and out. Go in or out one, but stop that going in and out. Letting the flies in. But you know what? That door was so familiar to us, we just, if we wanted a drink, we went in that door and got us a drink. If we wanted a sandwich, we went in that door and went and made us a mayonnaise sandwich. Or a peanut butter if you're lucky. We became so familiar with that door, whenever we needed something, we just went in and out that door but now when anybody else came to that door, the neighbors, they'd stop at that door and they'd knock. You know why they had to knock and I didn't have to knock? Because I knew the people that owned that door and I was kin to them and they cared about me. And that meant anything that was at that house that I needed or I wanted, I just opened that door and go on in and get whatever it was I wanted because I was familiar with the door and I was familiar with the people that owned the door. So I just made myself at home and kind of did what I wanted to do concerning the door. Now, other people couldn't do that because they weren't related to the folks that owned the door. And they had to knock and get permission to come in the door. Glory to God. But I was so familiar with the process, I didn't ever knock. I just opened the door and went on in. And that's what that scripture said. It said you can go in and you can come out and you'll always find green pasture. You'll always find something that'll bless you. You'll always find something that will give you strength and will encourage you and lift your heart. Praise God. I'm glad God said Jesus is the door. And he's a door that's willing to open and a, a door that's willing to give you whatsoever things you desire. He said, when you pray, ask anything in my name and I will do it. It even got to where Larry, sometimes when I'd go in, my mom would look at me and say, well, what do you want? <laughs> well, what do you want? Wouldn't it be something if God could say to you, what are you doing in here? 
What do you want? What do you want? Praise God. And you tell him what you need, and he gets what you need. And he says, all right, here you are. You're ready to go out now. <laughs> ready to go out now. Familiarity with that, that door. When you're known in that, in that door, there's a familiarity about it. The Holy Spirit is such a tremendous lead and guide himself. The Bible said he'll lead you and guide you into all the truth. But the Holy Spirit does his revelation, but Jesus is the one that opens the door. No wonder the Bible said without a vision, people perish. Without a vision, they cast off restraint, the Bible said. But if I by faith can see by my mind's eye what God has in store, praise God, I can wait for it. If I can see it in my eye and know that it's a, it's a reality, Thank God for the window, which is the Holy Ghost. Access, access into this grace. Have you got a high priest? What's his name? The Bible calls him a faithful high priest. That's another one of those metaphors. Another one of those word pictures that brings joy to your heart to know that you have a faithful high priest. And that that high priest has once gone to the holy place and offered himself for the sins of the whole world forever. Since that time, Jesus made a way for you to go into the holy place yourself because you don't have to have a sacrifice anymore. It's been offered once, praise God, for the sins of the whole world forever. You don't have to bring a, a, a lamb. You don't have to bring a, a pigeon. You don't have to bring a dove. You don't have to bring a goat. But praise God, you can go yourself and have access into the throne room of God. Someone was telling me about a professor the other day that, that said you can't, Go into the place Jesus has got to go for you. you well, I, he's a little bit late. Jesus has already gone for us. I said Jesus has already gone for us. Jesus has already made the arrangement. Jesus has already fixed it with the Father. Amen. That if we have a need, he said, come boldly. Not sheepishly and not cowardly, but come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain help. Help. Anybody need any help? Hey, do you need any help? That if you need help, he said he has grace to help in a time of need. Oh, blessed be God. Have you got a need? God's got the grace to help. Have you got a heavy burden? God's got the grace to help. Have you got a problem you can't solve? God's got the grace to help. Come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain grace to help in a time of need. Without vision, we perish. You don't have to be at any specific geological location. You don't have to have any particular attire. You don't have to have any kind of 
background, you just come boldly. You just come boldly. And God has forgiveness and healing. I want to tell you, we used to sing a, a song a long time ago, I can call Jesus anytime. For he is always on the line. I can call Jesus anytime. He is always on the line. Praise God. Is your Jesus always on the line? Is his ear cut to your cry? I said, is his ear cut to your cry? Is his hand stretched in your direction? That hand that's not shortened, that it cannot save? Hallelujah. He's a... A, a Jesus that is concerned about the needs that are in our lives. But then something happens to this good situation we've got going on of going into the throne room, get what you need, go back out into the world, go back when you need some more, go back when you need the God to do something special for you, and you do that going in and coming out. But somehow, did you get the first verse of that, that chapter? It said, Jesus said, if any man tries to come up any other way, he is a, you're mumbling. He is a thief and a robber. Well, Jesus just identified the greatest enemy of the sheep is that the thief will come and steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said that. He said he, he will do nothing else but steal and kill and destroy. Now I've told you they, they can't handle that. Sheep can't handle that. They don't have any way to handle that a shepherd has to handle that for them and so when you see the thief approaching when you see the thief is coming and you realize he's coming then brother it's time to get the sheep pen ready it's time to get ever everything in order it's time to get prepared because the the thief is coming. Want to tell you something, Harvest? I see a time out there in the future when the thief will be coming. I see a time out there, maybe not as far as you think it is. Did you know that this last week, for the very first time in St. Louis, Missouri, at a Panera Bread, they accepted palm prints for payment for merchandise. Boy, did you hear that hush? Yeah. Brother Jerry, you can't hear hushes. I heard one. We're watching all around us and wondering, scratching our heads at this AI, artificial intelligence. Where is that going to take us? Where is that leading us? I got 
notified the other day that it's going to take me two years to write a dissertation. Can you believe that with AI, a complete PhD dissertation can be written in 15 seconds? We're sitting upon the brink. We call this the information age. We're wondering. You know, the Bible said in the last days, men's hearts would fail them for fear that was coming upon the world. But for the largest part, the church just sleeps right on. Just sleep right on. I want to tell you something. You need to get stirred because the thief is coming. God told the prophet, he said, stand on the wall and look and watch. You be a watchman. You stand on the wall, wall and you watch. And he said, and if you see the enemy approaching and you don't cry out and you don't warn my people, then I will require their blood at your hands. You mean God ever got that strict with pastors and preachers and said, don't you let the enemy and the thief sneak up on my people? Boy, it's quiet in this place. I wonder how we'd ever handle that if God sent a message of alarm. I wonder how we would handle that if God ever sent a prophetic utterance to warn the people of God. I wonder if we'd snub our nose at it, pass it down the line, jeer, mock, make fun. How would we handle that? Oh, folks, we hadn't got time to fool around playing silly games. The thief is coming. We don't have time to get mad and fuss and pout Set over in a corner like you don't want to fool with anybody. Hey, we ain't got time for anything like that. The thief is coming. I said the thief is coming. There is a thief that hates this church and hates you and despises the fact that you're blessed and helped of God. If he could have his way about it, the adversary of our souls would destroy everyone in this building today. It's the grace of God that you are who you are. It's the grace of God that we're sitting in these pews. It's the grace of God that I'm holding this microphone proclaiming the Word of God. But I'm not a fool. I know that it's not always going to be this way. And it's time for us, Brother Mark, to lift the banner, sound the alarm in Zion, blow the trumpet in Zion, warn the people. There's a, there's a tribulation clouds that are gathering. And the world is preparing itself. Every discipline that I know in this world is preparing for something. They can't tell you what it is, but they've got a feeling something is about to happen. A very holy man that I know to be a man that is a man of great character, a praying man, said to me just not long ago, he said, Jerry, this world is about to receive a jolt like it's never experienced before. 
Well, just a couple of years ago, we received a jolt. We found out that churches could be shut down. We found out that schools could be shut down. We found out that government could shut everything down. Come on, somebody. I'll guarantee you there was a time in your life when you would have said, no, there ain't no way. Ain't no way. Pardon my double negatives and ain'ts. But I want to tell you there is a way, and they've proven it to us that there is a way. And we better wake up and realize that the thief is coming. He said, if anybody tried to come up some other way, the same is as a thief and a, a robber. That's, that's serious for, for those of us. We don't have time for anything else, but we need to know that there is a time coming. But Jesus said this, I'm coming too. I saw a sign the other day in a yard that said, said normal is not coming back, but Jesus is. Jesus is. Jesus is. And I'm going to tell you, he'll fight that battle just like the shepherd fights for the sheep. That when the wolf comes and tries to scale the, the, the pen and tries to get in and kill the sheep and, and steal the sheep, we've got a shepherd. And that shepherd says, I'll fight for you. I'll defend you. I'll come to your aid. I'll come to your rescue. I won't allow you to be destroyed. I won't allow you to be, be, be put away. I won't allow you to be defeated. I'll fight that battle for you. I'll fight that battle. No wonder there's no greater metaphor that gives me blessing than, than to know that Jesus is a shepherd who fights for us who protects us and takes care of us. Amen. That is a sign to, to us. And he said, I won't take my hand off of you. I won't quit, our shepherd says, until I have finished that work that I began in you. I've got a plan for your life. I've got a purpose for your life. And no thief can steal it and no wolf can kill it because I am your protector and I'm the shepherd of your soul. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Good as opposed to what? He said, there is another one that's called a hireling. And said, the difference in him and me? He said, when he sees the wolf coming, when he sees the thief coming, when he sees danger, and destruction, he turns and runs. And the difference in him and me is he runs from the trouble, I run to it. When I see that wolf coming, I don't run from him, I run to him. When I see that thief trying to scale the wall, I don't, I don't abandon ship. I go over there and beat him back. 
because I'm that shepherd that will fight for the sheep. Fight for the sheep. Isn't that great? I love that. He'll fight for the sheep. You may not be much of a fighter as a sheep and nothing to fight with, but he'll fight for you. Do you know what the chief tactic, come on, Olivia, and help me, tactic of a wolf pack is? The strategy of a wolf pack is if we can just cut one off and out and get him to separate and scatter these sheep. If we can scatter them, we stand a better chance of picking them off. Anybody listening to this preacher? If we can scatter them, they won't have that strength of numbers. If we can scatter them, then they're easy prey just to pick them off one at a time. But if they stick together, it's more difficult to do that. One of his chief tactics is to get one isolated and cut him off from the rest of the group and get him sitting over here in the seat. They don't nobody know how I feel. They ain't nobody loves me. They ain't nobody cares anything about me. And that wolf says, oh boy, supper is served. You see, if he can isolate you, the chief objective is isolation. Are you listening to this preacher? He don't just do it to sheep. He does it to shepherds. He'll use that same trick on shepherds. There's no future for you. All they ever do is lie to you. You can't trust nobody. You don't need to put your confidence in nobody. They'll, they'll fail you and hurt you. You'll be hurt mighty bad if you pay attention to that, that stuff. Come on, somebody. If they can keep working that isolation angle and keep scattering sheep. Come on, scattering sheep. That's why I preach to you, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's why you need to be together. That's why you need to come to church. That's why you need to be found among people because there's certain strength and blessing and encouragement that you draw from one another. It's good for you to come together and lift up your hands and worship the Lord and praise the Lord and sing spiritual songs and make melody in your heart and listen to the message and pray in the altars and do those things because they keep you connected and keep you from getting scattered. Don't let the wolves scatter you. Don't let the enemy cause you to get off somewhere by yourself and get on a pity party and feel like nobody cares. Well, who cares? Who cares? There's one thing that you need to know. And he said, you can cast all of your care upon him because he cares. He cares. I said, he cares. 
Praise the Lord. That's what matters the most. Long as you're building your whole happiness on whether people like you or not, then you're going to be on a yo-yo up and down all the time until you decide in your heart that I, I, I'm a sheep of his pastor. I know his voice. And another I will not follow. Amen? And what matters most to me is that he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He goes with me all the way even to the end of the world. He's my protector. He's my Jehovah Jireh. He's my, my Jehovah Nisi. He's my Jehovah Shalom. Whatever I need, he fulfills every need that I have in my life. He is my savior. He's my maker. He's my guide. He's my king. He's my Lord. He's my emancipator. He's my proclamation of freedom and liberty and joy and the Holy Spirit. Whatever I need, he fulfills every need that I have. Hey, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Woo! Hallelujah. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. Surely goodness shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever glory to God Jesus said yes I'm a shepherd yes I'm a shepherd and I care for my people I care for the sheep and he gave his life stand up with me here for just a minute Mm. When Jesus was hung high and stretched wide, he declared, it is finished. And they took him down from that cross and they laid him in a borrowed tomb and hell had a party. Hell rejoiced. Hell celebrated. He's silent in the grave. We've stopped him. We've killed him. We've destroyed him. And you know what happens when you strike the shepherd? You scatter the sheep. When you strike the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. Next thing you know, we've got Peter lying. I don't even know him. Don't tell me I'm a disciple. I don't even know the man. Have no dealings with him. I don't even know what you're talking about. Thomas, he said, I don't believe, boys. Y'all are telling me some stuff. I don't believe it. I'll not believe it until I can put my hand 
and the nail prints and I can put my hand in the hole in his side, then I'll believe. When you strike the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. But on that first day of the week, when hell thought they had him, when death thought they could hold him, when the grave thought they had him for all of time, very early in the morning, some women went to the tomb to anoint the body and they met an angel and the angel said he is not here he is risen indeed why seek ye the living among the dead he's not here they ran ran back to tell the other disciples Mary, Jesus spoke to her. She mistook him for the gardener. And sir, please tell me where they've laid him. Please tell me where he is so that I can go and anoint his body. And Jesus said, Mary. And she said, Lord. And realized it's no myth. It's no teledote. It's no allegory. It's not a story. It's actual fact. He is risen. And what did Jesus start doing? He started gathering his sheep back up. The Bible said they were in an upper room. And there couldn't anybody get into that room. They had it locked up. But Jesus appeared in the room. And he started working on this scattered bunch of sheep. And he walked over to Thomas. And he said, Thomas, feel right there. You feel that? That's where the nail print was. Feel right there. That's where the spear pierced my side. Hallelujah. You said you wouldn't believe unless you could touch my hands and my feet and my side. You believe now? Oh, yes, Lord, I believe. Blessed are you because you have seen and you have touched and you believe. But oh, more blessed are those that have not touched, that have not seen, but still they believe. said, you tell them when I get to Galilee to meet me down there and said, oh yes, don't forget to tell Peter. That wandering sheep that got scattered. Oh, bless be God. Tell him, I'll meet him when I get down there. And when they were filling out the preaching schedule for who would preach on Pentecost Sunday, the Lord said, Peter, you get your sermon ready because you're going to preach on the birthday of the church. Glory to God. And that second chapter of Acts, glory to God, that second chapter of Acts starts like this. It said, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all, 
no more scattered. They were all in one place at one time praying to one God for one thing. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the place where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Oh, I want to tell you, nothing can gather the sheep like the shepherd who is the Lord Jesus. God cares so much about a sheep that he left 99 all safe in the fold. For some reason, one didn't make it back that night. I used to preach that, that that was Jesus looking for sinners. That's not what that is. Thank you, God, for straightening me out on that. You see, that morning, there was a hundred in the flock. When they left the fold that morning to go to the pastor, there was a hundred of them. But when they gathered back at the sheepfold, there wasn't but 99. One somehow got scattered. One somehow got separated, isolated. And the shepherd said, you 99, you go on in there and you other shepherds make sure my sheep gets fed. I got to go hunt one. I got to go hunt one. One didn't make it back. I want to tell you, God will come looking for you. You may think you can hide from him. You may think you can draw up in a shell. He'll find you. I said, he'll find you. I said, he'll find you. Elijah went over to that cave at Horeb. And he was feeling so bad because he lost the battle with Jezebel. And he went to the cave and he's sitting back in the cave and he's so depressed. And he says, Lord, I'm the last prophet you have got. And I've preached my last sermon. I'll never preach another one. I'm finished. I'm through. I'm done. And you don't have anybody now. I've quit. And the Bible said, and God said, boy hid back in a hole in the ground but God traced him down when he found him he said come on out here Elijah come on out here where the sunshine is get out of this darkness and get out here and the Bible said there was a great earthquake but God wasn't in it big fire but God wasn't in it big wind but God wasn't in it and then there was a still small voice And the Bible said, and from that time forward, Elijah depended upon the mantle, which is an emblem of the Holy Spirit. Brother, when God gets on your trail, there's no place so solitary that he can't hunt you down. I said, he'll hunt you down. I said, he'll hunt you down. Because you're that one sheep that didn't make it back and he'll come looking for you.